And now, a word about our sponsor. The Kinky Boys podcast is brought to you by How to Kill a Superhero, the BDSM book series by author Pablo Green. If you ever fantasized about a juicy muscle beast encased in lycra, bound and gagged, then your moment has arrived. This book series is for fans of superhero fetish, bondage, and transformation fetishes. The books are available in paperback and Kindle at the Amazon store in 13 countries. Book 3, Transformation Fetish, is out now. And I can tell you folks, it's a brilliant, brilliant read. Try it out yourself. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. And I'm Adam. Yes, today we have Dolan, um, our special guest, Dolan Wolf, who is... Uh, one of Britain's most sexy exports. Yes, yes, that's the best <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, Dolan is, I would say, a porn star. That being, because I've heard a lot of debate recently about are there any real porn stars left? And I would say you are one. Yes. Well, that's very, very sweet of you. I, I've always thought of myself as more of a porn gate crasher. I've <laughs> 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 just been waiting for someone to tell me to leave. Well, how many? does it be um it depends how far you go back to um i think the 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 most sensible time to go back to would be somewhere around 2009 i think um i did dabble uh somewhere around 2000 2001 um but uh, luckily i don't think there are any surviving copies of that work oh that's a shame i would have loved to have like your larval form <laughs> Well, I can barely imagine the wolf cub. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't speak too soon. A lot can survive on the internet. That's true. That's true. But I think on, at the same time, there's also so much material on the internet yeah. that it might well and truly buried. Well, listeners, there you go. It's a challenge. <laughs> Needle in a haystack. Let's see what you come up with. Well, now, see, the added, <laughs> challenge, the added challenge, I will be fair to anyone who is crazy enough to attempt that, is uh, I wasn't going by the name Dolan Wolf then, so that's oh. not going to help you. <laughs> so, facial recognition software it is. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that I reminds really me of... that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of... Do you remember back when everyone was saying the original Red Ranger was doing Paul? Oh, yeah. It was one of the... Uh, Sean As Cody. in the Power Rangers. Yeah. The uh, okay. actor, because one of the Sean Cody actors looked just like him. Oh, did they sometimes remove their masks? I was totally the wrong generation for the Power Rangers. Oh uh, yeah, 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 they did. Yeah, oh, okay. and the Red Ranger was it. He was very nineties, and then he just grew ever more masculine as he aged. And by the time he, he was the one who went to prison, wasn't he? <laughs> was he? I mean, I know the original cast generally had. Quite I remember one of them went to prison for some drug offense, oh. and there was a mugshot that made him look like he would fuck you angrily and then spit on you as he left. Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. Which was kind of why I was a bit weirded out when I heard this story about the Red Ranger doing porn, because I looked at him and I didn't see anything like as many tattoos. But um, anyway. But no, it was... Back to the well, no, I just wanted to say it was weird because I remember this blog post someone had done where they had mm. zoomed in on his ear 
and the right. Red Ranger's headshot in their end is like, look, his <laughs> earlobe is exactly the same. It must be the same person. Really? Yeah. I googled this while we're speaking, the power of modern technology, and I'm on, on queerty.com, and uh, they, they do seem to be confirming that Austin St. John, formerly the Red Ranger of the mighty Morphin Power Rangers, is now moonlighting as Brock on straight guys getting off um, <laughs> I'm pretty oh. sure it's disproven. Really? Hmm. Well, who knows? Well, challenge for our listeners. Find that out for us. <laughs> the first comment is this guy was never a Power Ranger. That is how they tried to bill it 10 years ago when these videos were made. This Brock just started doing nude modeling around the Austin area and then got into some jerk off films. I don't know why this keeps coming up, but it does. So I guess yeah. it's one of those persistent urban rumors. Yeah. Uh, yes, these uh, how many spiders do you eat in a night thing. Exactly, yes. Fun fact about that one. The fact that it is an urban legend is itself an urban legend. It is impossible to track down the person who first spread the rumour. Well, no, do, isn't that what makes it an urban legend? Getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, Sorry. Dolan, please, tell us how, how did you get a start in the industry? What really got you on this path? Um, well, I, I suppose what really got me started was the realisation that it was now or never. Um, and um, and then a few things happened. Uh, two things in, in sort of around 2009. I accidentally won the Mr. Eagle London contest. Accidentally? Um, well, <laughs> well, there you are in a bar. You just stumble onto the stage and suddenly no. everyone votes for you. <laughs> Well, no, I, I, obviously I ended on purpose. Um, <laughs> I, I did not expect to win. Um, but uh, part of the prize for winning was some photographs uh, for QX and, and getting a cover cover picture on QX. And I used some of those photographs in my recon profile. And a fellow who worked for um, basically one of the partners that ran butchbear.com uh, saw that. Uh, saw, saw one of those pictures and invited me to come and do some work with them. So, um, so that's kind of part of it. That, that, that was the first thing I kind of booked. But then before I wound up doing that, um, somebody else in the UK connected me with the guys at Butch Dixon, no relation to the Butch Bear people. It's mm -hmm. a complete coincidence. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I wound up doing my first thing for them. Um, but I was working full time and I didn't have, you know, whereas in the last few years, a lot of people um, who do gay porn kind of explode onto the scene and they launch their their persona and they and they and they do so many scenes in their first year. Mm -hmm. I was doing it, you know, kind of thinking, well, this is a bit silly, really, but, you know, it's, it's fun. And, and if I don't do it now, I never will. Um, so, you know, I wasn't throwing myself at it um, with 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 such gusto. And then, you know, I continued to do bits and pieces over the years until over the next two or three years. And then I found myself um, in Chicago meeting the director, um, Christopher Weston, um, who, uh, yes. who had been a director at uh, Falcon um, and then had moved with the guys who owned Falcon when they left Falcon and bought Colt. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I met him at IML and I did a demo in the, in the market there for, for Bound Jocks. Um, and he invited me to come and film with Colt, um, which, you know, I've always likened to that scene at the end of Ghostbusters when um, when the god asks Ray, when, when the sort of Sheena Easton in Bubbles kind of character, um, Gozer, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, Gozer. 
goes uh, asks asks um, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character Ray um, if he's a god. He says no, and then uh, one of his colleagues afterwards says, "Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes." <laughs> <laughs> and that was pretty much how I felt when when um, Christopher asked if I wanted to do cult. It was like, okay, this is utterly ridiculous. I, I'm, you know, as much as I would love to think I, I measured up to the the classic cult physique that that uh, that I think we all know. Um, you know, the, I don't. <laughs> it's just uh, the way I do. But no, I mean, regardless of that, I, I, it was. I was flattered to be asked, and it was fun. And I said yes. And coming to San Francisco um, uh, at the end of 2012 to film that that with um, with Christopher um, was one of the most fun weeks of my whole life. It, it was uh, a, a wonderful adventure. And that kind of, you know, although I'd been doing bits and pieces for several years by then. It kind of helped open a few doors to to um, get me into do some stuff with Hot House, um, do another piece with Colt um, a little bit after that. They're, they're kind of they're filming their, their production was winding down by then, uh, or at least getting getting much less frequent. Um, and it just you know, you know and I think um, I then I then did a piece for for Katso, who I'd always wanted to work for, and it just it gave, it, it, it it created a bit more momentum behind um, behind it at that time, which I was perfectly happy with. It actually fitted into where where I was at work wise, and um, yeah, um, I mean I, I've I've been fairly it's it's kind of I I think I kind of peaked in two thousand four thirteen fourteen. Um, I've been relatively quiet, although I did do something for Titan um, in December last year, which was again one of the, one of the ones I uh, one of the studios I most wanted to work for when I started. Um, so, so that was uh, that was really fun to get to do that. Pretty good. Cool. Are there any plans for the future? Um, or have well, you settled down into your idyllic married life? Well, I've certainly settled down into my idyllic uh, married life. I, I feel like I've achieved most of the things I wanted. Um, I'm That's not. Fair. I'm not ruling out, um, you know, if someone said to me, you know, do you fancy doing this scene with this person? Um, and I thought, and, and, it, and it, it sounded really exciting, then I would totally do it. Um, I don't feel like I need to do any more for the sake of doing more. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I do think, and especially in stuff like porn, you need to know when to say when. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I had... I had an awful lot of fun doing most of the stuff that I did. Um, and Wait, you know, most? A, pardon? Wait, most? Yeah, no. Oh, God. I, I mean, you listen to, to – to, you, you read people's um, tweets, um, people who do porn. You read their tweets, and it's, it's endless. I love sex all day, every day, you know. And, and well, of every, course. You've got to keep the character up. Every single yeah. encounter is, is you know. Um, and – you know, the, the truth of it is that some jobs are more enjoyable than others, and it's and there are lots of different reasons why that can be. It can be the 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 mood and the energy you arrive with that you just you know sometimes you wish you were in a better place physically. Hmm. Um, it can be to do with you know the the person you're paired with and the, and the place they're in. It can do with it can be do, to do with the challenges of the actual you know what you're being asked to do and how long it takes to do it. Um, a lot of porn's very uncomfortable. You know, it's it's yes, not. Yes, I can imagine. It's not designed. The positions are designed so that the camera can see what's going on, not so that you can be as comfortable as possible. Um, so yeah, uh, but you know, it it's. I, I had I had a, an awful lot of fun doing what I what I did, um, and um, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, um, so the reason. Well, part of the reason I wanted to bring you on is 
Ooh. I've been going through a lot of thoughts recently about gay men, especially like people in the leather community and masculinity. Sure. Because I think gay men have a very complex relationship with the whole concept. Yes. Um, and the reason Mask I wanted for to... mask only, no and, fats, yeah. no femmes, no Asians. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the reason I wanted to get you on is because, especially in the sort of um, studios you've worked for, yeah, they try and push this very masculine image mm-hmm. as a sort of you know selling point. Yeah. Um, so let's start with. I also want to ask Adam this, because he had a few good answers when I quizzed a few. Uh, (laughs) What, for you, are masculine traits? What makes someone masculine? Well, for me personally, it's certainly as much about the uh, personality as it is about the the look. So for me, it's always been nerd that I am. It's always been based around the idea of testosterone and, like, Okay, so you've got the beard, you've got the body hair, you've got the musculature, you've got the passion, the aggression, the the sweat, the strength. All of that seems to sort of feed into the uh, masculine ideal in my mind. I recognize the more I think about it, how there's no one individual trait that can work without any of the others, though. I mean, the example that I give is um you can have someone who looks like a tom of finland model and yet (laughs) the moment they start if the moment they open their mouth ruby slippers start falling out then they're not masculine equally you can have someone who walks the walk and talks the talk but is dressed in head-to-toe drag and it probably won't quite work either so there's no one aspect of it it's very much an entire cultural package that has to come together before there can be the masculine ideal. And I think this is what got what has got me so fixated on the idea as a concept is that it's so amorphous and blurred. Oh, yeah. It's beauty. It's yeah. completely subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder. No, no, no. I figured out beauty. Beauty is truth and truth is beauty. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but feel somewhere along this conversation there's Kylie Minogue dressed as the green fairy getting a one-line cameo. <laughs> so yeah, so, Dolan, what what's your opinion on what makes someone well, I, I want to um respond to to what Adam said and and you know broadly speaking I I completely agree. I think where some difficulties arise is um very much in that idea that that you fail by virtue of, um, uh, of, of you know, your voice is too high pitched, or you, um, or you mince instead of strut, or you, you know, whatever it is. And I think there's, um, and, and actually, you know, I, you sent me the questions before before the interview, and so I, I had already done quite a lot of thinking about it. But a new thought's arisen listening to Adam, which is that um, the same, a similar problem. I think occurs in subdom relationship and subdom expectation as, mm. as is caused uh, or, or has happened, you know, so, so, so when people start to feel inadequate, you know, like not sufficiently masculine or not sufficiently simply valuable because they fail, they fall down on, on one or other, you know, they could, they could tick all the boxes, but they're not hairy or they could tick all the boxes, but they're not, you know, one thing. Mm. I think there's a similar 
there's a similar danger in, I mean, okay, I, I'm on two sides, I'm kind of on two sides of the Fed of this, and I'm not, not because I'm trying to be, but because I think it is so, such a fascinating issue, and, and it's very, um, uh, people are very sensitive to it. So, on the one hand, something either is something or it isn't, and, and, you know, people shouldn't have, you know, we shouldn't have to get upset about whether it is or isn't, you know, because, just because it is doesn't mean it's more or less important than if it's not, right? That might be a bit abstract. Uh, you're going to have to give me the example here because I'm not quite following you. So, so is it so, basically, so it is masculine. You know, if we if we could if we if we could all agree, right? And, and that's a little bit of a fancy. If we could all agree that something was masculine and, and that another thing wasn't masculine, neither one would be better or worse than the other. One would simply be hmm. masculine, and the other would simply be not be. I think I think we run into trouble because people get get upset that they're considered to not be masculine when they want to be. Mm. Um, and and or they con- it, it's considered that they that they are less than because they have not measured up to this ideal we've created. Well, and- oh yeah, I mean, gay culture really does put a premium on masculinity. It's yes, well, but it's completely <laughs> pointless to do so because it's a spectrum. It's an asymptote. You can never achieve masculine the same way you can never achieve achieve objective beauty. You can't well, ever be it. You can only ever approach it. You can I, only ever be I, more masculine than you were yesterday, more I, beautiful <laughs> than you were yesterday. I, I, well, I, I love that answer because, again, going back to what, what the other sort of side of this is, so a common, I think, problem for subdom dynamics and, and, and relationships is that um, either one is feels an expectation, um, I think, often created by you know the cultural pressure mm. to, to be so purely dom or so purely sub all of the time um that it becomes a rod for everyone you know th- these things become rods for everyone's backs mm. um and you know instead of accepting yet that yes okay we have the fantasy and we can and we can we can enact the fantasy of of somebody being you know 100 percent in control dom top um but if he can't take his leather off, go downstairs and watch RuPaul's Drag Race afterwards, um, you know, when he wants to, um, then we have a problem. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so um, I, that, the, so for me, that idea that, that you know, I, 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 the mistake is to think that anything can be perfectly one thing or another. And that's why I like your idea of, of, of you can only approach masculinity. Um, I mean, for me, I think that, a huge premium is placed on masculinity by some and not much at all by others. Mm. And for many of those in the leather community who do place a premium on perceived masculinity, I think there's a simple explanation. One is that, um, or part of it is that being gay um, was much more so than it is today. Um, 